York, New York, big city of dreams. I'm coming, coming, I'm coming straight out. New York, New York, big city of dreams. What's going on? This is Jay Ellis from the Nick of Time show. Here to give you that Knicks talk just in the nick of time. The time to talk about this Knicks win because the Knicks beat those Hawks. 113 to 89. The Knicks clip those dirty pigeons in New York Broadway. All right. Had no choice. I mean, listen, you take what we can get. DeAndre Hunter wasn't playing. Uh and Dejon Murray was injured in the first quarter. There's also missing Collins. But all in all, the Knicks did what they had to do and took care of business. Julius Randle played bully ball. 34 points, 17 rebounds, and five assists. He wasn't a bum today, Lee. He wasn't a bum today, all right? Quitting Grimes. Prototypical three and D. Gives you 23 points, five and seven from three and a nice assist to Mitch and put the clamps on Mr. Lollipop head himself and Trey Young. Shout out to Quinn. Mitchell Robinson gives you eight points and 10 rebounds in only 25 minutes. And RJ Barry comes in with 15 and seven rebounds and then Knicks hold the Hawks in a Abysmal three-point shooting night. Six of 36 from three. This is from a team who usually allows a no-name guy to go off from three who's been uh, last in the NBA in three-point defense. We pull it all together and defeat the Hawks. Second time in a row, we hold a team to under 90 points. Second time, every team he played against has scored over 100 until these last two games. So I don't know what's happening. Maybe the nine rotation thing is working. But uh, we're going to talk about it, man. Salute to those Knicks. Did what we had to do. Before I talk about it, first, I'm going to say this. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. And also shout out to FUBU TV. If you go to FUBUTV.com slash KOT, you can get the Knicks for free on MSG for seven days. Yes, even you you guys in the New York area, you can get it free for seven days. And if you decide to keep it, KOT gets a little bit of a cut and it'll help us grow our brand. So shout out to FUBU TV for working with KOT. Now, let's get to my guys. First and foremost, I'm gonna introduce you to the man, the myth, the legend, and the guy with the stats and the facts. Ryan G's in the building. Trey Young, you ain't so tough when you got when you ain't got your friends around you. King of Broadway, <laughs> the peasants of Broadway. The peasants of Broadway. Oh, wait. I need to just like, wait. I need to show the sneakers. Hold on, man. I need to show. You need to take these, take these joints off, <laughs> Take them off. I don't know what that I, I need I need one of the Knicks players to go up to Trey Young and be like, yo, run your kicks, B. Run I need your a kicks. Player B. Wearing that. Run your kicks, man. Yeah. Run your kicks. Exactly. Don't turn down the wrong dark alley in New York work where it knows. Cause we running them, we giving them to to Julius Randle. <laughs> and of course, you already know, my man, Mister ESPN contributor, 
Mr. Posting and Toasting Contributor, Mr. Deadspin Contributor, my man, the Latin Assassin, Lee Escobedo. Nasty Nasta Lee Escobedo. Uh, this is my least favorite kind of nits win where Julius Randle leads the way, tying the stats, <laughs> and we beat a team that has two of their starters missing and gives Tibbs a longer leash to keep his job. But Positives are Julius Randle raises trade stock. There's never been a better time to get this bum off the team. Please, I know oh, 29 other teams had to be watching, including the Atlanta Hawks. Someone, please buy now. We are selling, selling, selling discount aisle nine. Let's go. Discount. Uh, I, I don't think, I don't know, man. I don't think Julius Randle is going anywhere this season. Somebody mentioned it in the chat somewhere, and I, I have to agree with you. I don't think he's going anywhere this season. I think if anything does happen, it'll be in the offseason. But I digress. We'll get into Julius Randle, a potential trade later on. But to, for now, let's talk about this game. I'm going to start off with you, Lee, the biggest Tom Thibodeau hater slash Randall hater on the panel. What did you think of today's game? Talking to Roberto Rivera Jr. in the chat here. He says, get this guy out of here because, <laughs> you know, I'm, hate, I'm hating on Julius Randle again. But, well, I mean, let's let's talk about it. What does it mean? Julius Randle has a great game. Awesome. Okay, we're one game under 500. Julius Randle, in my opinion, is having a very good season. He's not a bad basketball player. I feel like I have to reiterate this every single time we have a podcast. He is a way above average basketball player. He's good at every single aspect of basketball. He's a fantastic rebounder. He's a really good passer. He's an elite offensive orchestrator. He's got, you know, storing at all three levels. He's got a decently high IQ. But with him as a head of a snake, as the best player on the team, what's the ceiling? I think it's three to four games over 500 in a first-round playoff loss. How many years do we want to keep doing this? At some point, we got to try something new. That's all I'm advocating for. We've had now, this is his fourth season as the best player on this team. We know what he is. We know what he didn't, where he didn't get us to. I think it's going to take a little bit more, giving the reins to other players, maybe see down through trade or the draft, to replace him as our best player. If he's our second or third option, that's great. But to me, draft capital is most important moving forward because we have a very young core. Now I want to add around that. So the fact that he's playing fantastic, it means that his trade stock is rising, which it wasn't at last year. This seems to be a good time to start considering moving him for a nice return. All right, that is Lee. He says, screw the game. I'm talking about Julius Randle trade value. Yeah, because what's this game? This game is meaningless. Like it's, <laughs> It has no value to me. It's a good, We won. Great. But we're still under 500. I mean, what do you want? Listen, listen I'm going to let you know something. I think we're going to be around 500 for, for, the, for the year. So I don't me think too. any crazy trades are happening to trade that line. It seems like every time there is a collapse or whatever it seems to be collapsed, that the, the team responds. So I feel like yeah. over 500, 500 in that range is our destiny. I just It just is what it is at this point. So for me, I'll say this. Randall had a good game today. The three-point shot was falling. He had a nice pass to, to, to Mitchell Robinson today. And for some reason, he was actually motivated to play defense. He had, for the last couple of games, it seems like he's actually closing out on three-point shots. Maybe it's the combination of the Knicks actually being home for long stretches and the coach emphasizing that and having a chance to emphasize that. Um, but it seems like Randall being here 
Grimes being inserted in the starting lineup and Mitch, um, those guys being there is is kind of solidifying the defense right now. And now it's, it's two times in a row where we've held the team to under 100 points. Um, so good job by Julius Randle, who played defense, played offense, took advantage of the Hawks. Also got some John Morant calls today. Went to the foul line, got hacked. Uh, I'm, I'm not gonna hold you. Like it looked like half the time he wasn't even touched. He just ran into him, flop, ran into the defender and flopped, and the ball dropped. So, <laughs> but you, you take the good with the bad. Uh, Randall had that, but really mostly good. Zero turnovers on the night as well. Plus twenty nine for James Randall. My man, I'm a go. Who? Man, the, the, the stats and the facts. What do you have to say about this game? Yeah, um, Julius Randle, he had an excellent game tonight. 34 points, 17 rebounds, 16 of those being defensive rebounds. It seems like when him and Mitch is on the floor, Julius Randle is designated for the defensive rebounds and Mitch is designated for the offensive rebounds. It seems like, the, like, it seems like that's how they do it. But, um, yeah, man, Julius Randle showed every facet of his game tonight. Scored at all three levels. He was a good facilitator of the ball as well. Passing open shooters. Like you mentioned, that he also had a good pass to Mitch in the paint. And Randall's show, and at least in this game, Randall shows, you know, what he's capable of when he's at his best. And when he's at his best, he's definitely an all-star player. And yeah, he definitely showed out tonight. And you have to give him his props. He played really good. Yeah, he, he really played well. And you know what? I feel like a, a big reason why we won this game, besides the starters being out, is Quentin Grimes. Because Quentin Grimes, listen, Jalen Brunson was was terrible today. <laughs> like I don't know if he he's battling an injury or not, because he seems a little bit sluggish after that little report that he had a quad injury. But he was terrible. He was pretty much terrible. On top of that, on top of just being terrible, he. The Hawks are playing zone all day. They're collapsing the paint all day. So they pretty much saw the scattering report. The, the scouting reports saw that the Knicks are dead last in three-point shooting and said, okay, beat us from the three-point line. And Quentin Grimes said, cool, I'll do that. <laughs> and then Quentin Grimes went off for 23 points and hit five or seven from three. Had a great game, Quentin Grimes. And now, and on top of that, shut down Trey Young. Trey Young got off a little bit today, but I felt like when he did get off, it was mostly when Grimes was off of him. It wasn't when he was playing defense on him. I st- Grimes still is leaving a lot of all stars um, with dead field goal percentages in his wake. All right, so I feel like. Trey Young, uh, Devin Booker, SGA. There's a list of guys who he's guarded over the last week and a half that just has not been able to shoot around them. Even though the the first shot Trey Young made was like falling left off balance, go behind the backboard. Quentin Grimes put the clamps. Mr. Untradeable. So I'm giving my my gunshots to Quentin Grimes. Lee, I know you got something to say about Quinn Grimes. I love the kid. 
I've been an advocate for him to be in the starting lineup since we chatted in preseason. I've always said I think that he's a, a better fit as a starter because he doesn't really require the ball and doesn't over dribble. He's just a catch and shoot, solid three point sniper. You can always depend on him to play defense. And I think the way the league is trending, guards are the ones that are at the point of attack. And we have trouble containing those guards. And I'd rather have Grimes contain a point or a two than I would Reddish worrying about a longer you know, more stretchier three to four. Right. So Grimes, I think, is just a better fit next to Brunson. He can always guard um, the, the opposing team's point guard on switches. He did a great job on Trey Young. Uh, I, I think that it, they got really lucky if DeJounte Murray wasn't there too because I think he would have really hunted Brunson out on on the offensive side. So we got lucky in that regard. But, you know, Grimes is great, man. He just doesn't require too many touches or too many, too many dribbles. He really is very instinctual. He has a really good heady offensive game plays within himself uh, and he has a really good attitude too. It doesn't matter what other four players you put out, put out there on the court with him, his style of play because of, you know, Ryan, and I were talking about uh, Kelvin Sampson, Houston, where he came from in collegiate level. He's just taught to be a part of a system and he can adapt to any system and any other players playing type when he's in their offensive lineup. And the fact that his three point shot is so consistent and so deadly, even when there's a hand in his face or off the dribble or double teamed, you know, or unattached shoot positions or in the corners, top of the key, it makes him a really liable threat out there. And I think that he really helps stretch the defense and allows for easier drives, driving lanes for RJ Barrett, Randall and, and Brunson. So I love the kid. I'm glad that he's a part of our future and he's someone who I don't deem untouchable, but I really hope is part of that, of that core moving forward. Future defensive player of the year. Let me overreact, Ryan. I don't want to see your face smirk when I say that. All right. <laughs> Yo, all I'm saying is that the way he'd be playing defense, I'm about to just nickname the dude the Hall of Fame Clamps because that's what he'd be doing right now. He, he just <laughs> down the other team's best perimeter player. That's what he does. But yeah, man, the thing I love about Grimes' game is like what Lee mentioned. Like, if you watch the way Houston plays, even today, if you watch they, how they play, one to five, they all defend. They're all dogs. That's the that's the mentality that he instills in his teams, and that's the mentality you see Grimes play with. Grimes is just a dog on defense. Then the one thing I do love about him is that he's decisive with the ball. This is something I've been saying about him since early in the season. He doesn't – like, he doesn't – like, he makes quick decisions with the ball. Yeah. He doesn't hold the ball. Yeah. He doesn't, like, think. He just acts. And it, when he acts, is he – he goes straight to the basket, finish at the rim, or he drives to the basket, makes a pass. You know, he, 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 he rarely finds himself in situations where – it's tough for him to like make a decision or react. You know, he always knows what is, it, it always seems like he knows what he's going to do before he does it. And that's the one thing I do like about Grimes. I want to add to that too. I think the difference between him and RJ and what's what makes him possibly have a brighter future than RJ with this, the way this Nets team is currently constructed is that he, he finds his offense in the flow of a game. Yeah. So I think it's a little bit harder when you're watching tape of Grimes compared to RJ who telegraphs everything. But RJ runs the same plays the same way every single game. You know when he catches it and he's going downhill, he's not looking to pass. He rarely lets the pass to, to uh, kick out for, for open shooters. He's always going to put his head down, barrel to the rim with three to four defenders waiting for him because it just makes sense to play zone against us because we're a terrible three-point shooting team. Grimes is more in the flow of the offense. You never really know. Is, is he going to cut? Is he going back door? Is he going to run to the corners? Like he's really great at setting strains and being involved in like staggered strains and then leaking out and finding an open position on the 
perimeter. That's a lot more creativity than what you see from him than you do with RJ Barrett. Yeah, Grimes is really like the perfect three and D guy when he's when especially when his three is actually hitting. He's he's like the guy that every NBA team would want and need. Hopefully, he's here long term because I I can see every team asking for him in different trade scenario, uh, scenarios. Yeah. And like I said before, I know the three point shot hasn't been hitting. He's only hitting one game so far. I still believe in the shot. I still buy the shot today. The shot was here, and thank God, because R.J. Barrett's shot has abandoned him. After he missed that, hit that first three, it seems like it was all gone, and, and I was scared. And like you did, like you said, uh, Lee, um, listen, I've been tracking R.J.'s game recently. Uh, he, he's been better at not, he's been better at driving and kicking and not taking on three or four to five defenders in the paint. Today, not so much. And I thought they was going to come back in the game because we couldn't hit threes. Um, we saw a little bit of that in the third quarter. And even some in the second, when we, they went on a 17-0 run. We we just couldn't hit a three or hit a shot when they collapsed the paint. So we're going to need somebody to soften the three-point line and get things right. open, especially considering how we have guys like Brunson and, 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 and who like to operate in the paint. So thank you for Grimes, man. We need more of these type of games from you. And I, I think we're going to see a lot more from Grimes in the future for sure. All right. Um, the, There was only really one low point during this game. And that was a 17-0 run. Uh, first of all, Deuce and IQ came on the, on the, on the floor at the same time. So we got to see... Once again, the Deuce, IQ, Grimes, defensive trio caused havoc. And we wasn't really scoring that much, but we were still kind of able to defend. But once Deuce left, once Grimes left, then we brought back Brunson and RJ. It seemed like there was a struggle to defend. And then it seemed like there was a struggle to score as well. Uh, so I do have... You know, I was still a little bit nervous that we was going to lose this game and it was going to be another repeat of you know, what happened before. But thank God that the, the starters came in and they got they kept it going when we left off because it was scary hours for me. Like, as much as I love RJ and, and Brunson, to me, there's still certain things they have to do more of defensively and that's rotate for it. And that's helpful, help each other out. Uh, and they have to do a little bit of those th those dirty things for us to to uh, you know be steadfast on defensive end, especially when they're with the second unit. Yeah, and I just want to mention this right quick because you mentioned the second quarter and the Hawks playing zone defense. One thing that really upset me about that second quarter, and it's funny. Well, first and foremost. I think the reason why the Knicks weren't able to break that zone is just the fact that they kept the ball in the perimeter. Like, they didn't try to penetrate the middle of the zone. They just passed the ball in the perimeter and took threes. And, you know, anybody know the Knicks are a bad shooting team. They couldn't hit knock. They couldn't knock at any of their yeah. threes. But what I think what upset me the most was because I, I don't know if y'all – because I don't know if y'all were watching the MSG or the ESPN, but I was watching the ESPN um, version. and I, I would never – uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't I have know. the heart. I'm an, indie, so I, I'm an indie, so I really ain't got no choice. <laughs> so, 
they they showed a clip where this this is where the Hawks were on their run and the Hawks were cutting down the lead. And they, they and it showed a clip because I think they had RJ Mike, I believe. And RJ was like, don't allow the Hawks to set up their zone, play faster. And it and it irked my nerves because I was like, because I was shouting at the screen, I was like, yo, you cannot allow these dudes to get back to, to get into the zone. You have to play faster. You have to try to beat that zone yeah. and attack it. And it's like at the and at the time when they showed that clip that's when the hawks were cutting into the lead and the knicks weren't doing what rj said that they needed to do and it, and it kind of upset me but towards the end of the second quarter you know once the starters got back into the game i saw that they did try to increase the speed a bit and play a bit faster and it worked to their advantage and then also so julius Randle also try to at, at least try to penetrate the middle in the half court and that produced results as well so i'm glad to see that they actually you know did something to try to break that zone and 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 you know get the Hawks out of it. Yeah, that's a, that's exactly what Winston Ellis was talking about in the chat about how horrible the, the Knicks are scheming against the zone or play calling against the zone. They have a really difficult time. I mean, it, that, we struggle with just having guys who can create off a dribble too, yeah. especially around the three point line. Like all of our three point shooters are catch and shoot shooters. No one can really go off the dribble, a sidestep. So Randall really becomes the most important three point shooter for us because when he's hot, it opens up the rest of the players. Mitch naturally stay down low and not have to worry about getting uh, three second violations. And you can just worry about getting lobs and, and rotate around that pain area because Randall's stretching the defense. So when he's on, like he was tonight, he makes our offense click and look a lot better than it actually is. Yeah. I mean, listen, we got open looks too. We got open looks in the zone at a certain point, even though it was, it was clunky at first. And we got open looks for, for RJ and Obi. Got a few wide open looks in that zone. And it just wasn't hitting, which is why you need three point shooters on this team. And I'm sitting here like, yo, it doesn't matter what we do. If the end of the day, if we can't shoot at all, we, we're not going to be able to compete long term with some of these teams. So I'm kind of glad that the, the starters came back and got it back together. And we was able to weather that storm. Um, also, something else I noticed. Deuce McBride is slowly getting not just more minutes because he did get more minutes today. He got, let's see, how many minutes? He, I think he got like 20 minutes today, Deuce McBride. But on top of that, he's handling the ball more. It's, it's really interesting. He's handling the ball more at the top of the key. He's starting to set up the offense more. He's still not quite was still comfortable all the way, but he's more comfortable than I'm used to him seeing. So it's interesting to see that progression. Hopefully he starts to get that going. Cause I still feel, I still have concerns with him attempting to break down the defense. But um, one thing he will do is pass a ball. And if you're hot and you're shooting it, he'll find a way to get you the ball. So, and he had six assists today, Deuce McBride. Uh-oh, did we just lose? <laughs> Yo. <laughs> I think we just lose my stats and facts, man. <laughs> <laughs> he had to do some research. He's done it there. Yeah, he yeah, he's getting the stats on Deuce McBride's minutes. That's a shout out to me. let me ask you, man. What do you think about Tibbs reducing the rotation and subbing out Rose and, and Reddish for Deuce McBride? Do you, uh, uh, is there a silver lining to that decision by Tibbs. It worked out tonight. I mean, if there's any game where you need Deuce and Bryce against Trey Young. Right. 
Here, here's what I think, right? Um, to me, Cam Reddish this year is still probably more important than Deuce McBride. If you're going to go for a nine-man rotation, just because we traded for him and we have to make a decision and we also have to, you know, uh, if we not even if we're not going to keep them because front office is like, oh, we have all these young guys. We have to pay somebody. Somebody. I feel like it's just important for him to just get burned in a neat uniform in general. I was reading a Fred Katz article today and he was talking about how uh, his Cam Reddish's um, value is lower than Derrick Rose's value, which is crazy. Crazy. Um, so from that standpoint, I'm not happy at all about that. I, uh, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's one of those things, but at the same time, I'm happy that Deuce is getting burned because it's obvious that it was time to move on from Derrick Rose and to take the training wheels off of, of Deuce. Um, so I, I also believe that as well, but then there's a third part, right? It's the rhythm part. Yeah. The rhythm part is, in general, NBA teams find more of a rhythm when they go more of a nine-man rotation than a 10. Um, RJ Barrett specifically, we've been saying it since he's been drafted, seems like he has a better chemistry with the second unit because they run a little bit more and that plays more to his strengths. And with Cam out of the lineup, you get to see RJ run more uh, and play more to his strengths, even though today it didn't work out like that at all. Oh. Mm. <laughs> but in general, it usually, you know, it usually kind of does work out like that. Um, so all in all, I I don't like Cam being out the lineup. If you want to go mine, man, I'd rather see Cam this year. Um, but at the same time, I, I get it, but I still I still hate it. I don't think Cam has played bad enough to be played out the rotation. Uh, I agree with you. I, I wish there was a world where McBride could have just replaced Rose and Cam Reddish would still give him a chance to prove whether he deserves a contract extension this summer or not. When you look toward across the lead and you look at teams that are not at a contention place yet, but are building towards that. So I'm looking at like the Toronto Raptors or the Pelicans or especially the Oklahoma City Thunder. There's a there's a transition happening in the NBA where it's like six eight six nine guys teams are trying to find as many of those as they possibly can. Right, guys that can hit the three, store a little bit off the dribble, but most importantly can guard one through four, two through five on switches. That's just like the way that all teams are playing defensively. So these teams are really stacking up. It doesn't matter who's a two, who's a four, who's a three. That shit doesn't matter anymore in terms of positions. It's all about having the size, the length, and the wingspan to be able to, to plug and play Absolutely. and have it really play. It's almost like it's not five guards out, but it's five guys who have guard mentality and guard ability on the floor at the same time. Leon Rose seems to be doing the opposite of that. Because right now we got three centers on this roster, two power forwards, and one of the few sits nine guys we had who can play multiple positions is now back on the bench, might as well be in street clothes, and as you know, has been rumored to be in trade positions uh, by the front office, which is really disappointing. And I wish that I really wanted Raw to get on this podcast at some point because I really wanted to bait the guy because I really disagree with this Leon the Don nonsense. I don't think this man has a real 
plan moving forward to get this team on a track toward contention because he seems to be migrating away from where the NBA is moving, just like his head coach, Tom Thibodeau. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, so with the whole camp situation, I feel like it's a bit premature. You know, I don't think Cam has done enough to where he should be benched permanently and then all of a sudden the team is like looking to explore trading options for him or his team came to, you know, the Knicks front office and asked for a trade, whichever, you know, transpired. And, you know, I'm just at a point now where with this team, I want to see how these young players would play under another coach. Like I want, like I want another coach to get in there and I want to see his ideas for how he would utilize these young players because it, like with Cam, and this has, been, this has been the case with the Knicks organization for years, is the mismanagement of young players. Yeah. And even, even today, like, yeah, we, yeah, quickly plays well. Grimes plays well. RJ, for the most part, plays well. You know, he's on and off this season, but for the most part, he's developed well. Mitch has developed well, et cetera. But there's been too many examples of young players being mismanaged. Because, like, take Obi, for example. Obi doesn't play to his strengths. Yeah. Obi, mainly, Obi mainly stays on the perimeter and shoots threes now. Like, as if he's a three-point shooter when he's really not. Got him play like Sean Marion. Exactly. Um, Sims. Sims barely get any playing time to show what he can do. Deuce. Deuce is just getting playing time now because Sims is trying to take a more defensive approach. And he's seeing that playing roles, et cetera. It's not getting him the results on defense that he needs. So now recently he's starting to play deuce. And there's been too many, ex- and there's been too many examples of the Knicks throughout the years where they just mismanaged young players. And I just want to see how another coach would utilize these young players and how he would utilize their strengths. I'm, I'm just at a point where it's like, I'm just tired of seeing Thibs coaching this team. And because if you think about it, would, would Cam be on the trading block if the Knicks had a coach that actually, that actually focused on the development of young players like, no. like them as a whole and actually put Cam in the right positions to no. succeed? He probably wouldn't be on the trading block because Cam has enough talent to where you want to see how it's going to develop. You want to see how it's going to play out. But because the Knicks just mismanaged young players and it's been going on for years. That's the front office. That's how, that's how players like Cam get kicked out of the rotation, and all of a sudden, they're on the trading block. And to be, and to be honest about it, uh, I don't know whether Fred Katz's report is true or not because I got, a, because I got like a alert from Twitter where they were talking to Cam about it, and Cam is basically saying that the reporters know more than him. So basically, he's denying that his representatives are talking to the Knicks regarding a trade. So who knows? Mm. It's that relationship, too, that I think is at the heart of the matter. I'm glad to hear you jump on the fire Tibbs bandwagon. There's plenty of room on it. But there's plenty of room on the caboose to, to hop on in for everybody in the chat. <laughs> um, I, I feel like that Tibbs is around and has been around and has weathered the storm because of his close relationship and proximity to Leon Rhodes. And I've been, for the most part, a Leon Rhodes fan. I mean, I'm, you know, in my writing here on a podcast, I haven't bashed on him too much. 
but I'm starting to understand that these strained relationships are one of the re- reasons why we're stuck in this level of like mid predatory where there's not really opportunity to either do a total rebuild or really develop our players that can get us to that next level. Cause we, we have an opportunity for someone who has real three and D potential in Cam Reddish. And now he's not just regulated the bitch situationally. He's out of the rotation completely. Like that's ridiculous. That's to me. Like why there, there seems to be no accountability the same way that Randall doesn't have accountability from Tibbs, Tibbs doesn't have accountability from Leon Rose, and Leon Rose doesn't have accountability from James Dolan. It, you know, a fish rots from the head down, and it seems to be that way for the front office is culpable in where these nets are currently. And to me, if Tibbs lasts this season and beyond, I'm going to start calling for Leon Rose's head next. And I, I've been patient on that because I, I've liked a lot of the moves that he's made. He's Walt Perrin has found some gems in the second round and the late first round. I think for the most part, we've done a decent job developing some of our young players and holding on to them. Resigned Mitch, resigned RJ, brought in Brunson. That Derek Rose trade was, you know, a steal for second round pick in DSJ. But the Evan Fournier signing, Kimba Walker, Alec Burst resigning, Taj Gibson resigning to have to attach picks to move these guys. And now hearing it attached IQ to Fournier to move a bad contract. that's only one year in like that is a major disappointment. I think that it needs to, to be starting a conversation around is Leon Rose competent and can he be the GM we need to take this, take this to the next level, whether it be a rebuild or contention. Uh, I'm going to say one thing. Cause I don't think the cam requesting a trade thing came from Fred Katz. I think that was a cert- I think that was a different source. Um, if, if I remember correctly, you can double check that. Um, but I don't think that was a Fred Katz um, tweet. But if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I don't think that's a Fred Katz thing. But the, also, I would say this. I said, I think a month ago, I said the two best moves that Leon Rose made so far was trading Knox and the pick, which was a low-level first-round pick that can turn into a second into Cam Reddish. And then to have then like pretty much a month or three weeks later, not having the rotation at all is Bruh. is crazy to me. It is crazy to me. So I, I agree with you. Uh, two, um, we have a lot of second round picks. I think we have like something crazy, like twenty one second round picks. So I don't, I'm not too hung up on like attaching the second rounders to get rid of Kemba or whatever. Like that doesn't really bother me too much, but if we're, if we actually are attaching IQ or Cam, who, who claims if Cam, if Cam wants out, that's different, right? If Cam wants out, that's different. But if you're like, you're just attaching a pit IQ to, to get off of Evan Fournier's contract, that is like the worst mismanagement of assets I've ever heard. And that would piss me all the way off. So hopefully that's not true. Or even if it is true, hopefully it's not for not to like get off a contract, but actually get something big, bigger back and not like like a a low like a role player if it's like to get if we get like a role player back for attaching iq and evan fournier i'm gonna be pissed like a jay crowder for jay crowder i'm gonna be i'm i'm not me too i'll be pissed too i'll be pissed yep yeah, and just to make a correction it's it's bondy but i think i think i read it like i think cats probably like maybe retweeted it or something and I probably mistook it for him making the report but yeah, okay it was okay yeah got you Bonnie's interesting because uh, I'll stay up for that. 
Anyways, <laughs> I'll stay away from Bonnie. But yeah, I, I hope it, it looks like Cam's writing is on the wall to me. Between Cam and IQ, it looks like the writing is on the wall. But I see like the tea leaves are more showing for IQ to me because I seen and I seen Ian Begley report a while ago. Um, but also I'm starting to see slowly Deuce getting minutes like two or three weeks ago, Deuce was just getting random five minute game, five minute a game stints here and there. And I thought that was interesting. He was going like 10, 11 men deep for me. He was going like 11 man rotation for like yeah. a few days and Deuce is getting five minutes. Out of nowhere, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was like a, a prelude to, you know what, we're starting to shop some of these guards and we want to transition him. And then him getting to the G League, trying to get into more rhythm. And then even now, when it came to the garbage time, IQ sat first. And then IQ was out there with Brunson and RJ and those guys. So... I know some people are saying this is fake news. This is fake news. I don't know, man. It's looking like they're angling to to give Deuce a bigger role. That's what I see. I mean, it could be the case. You know, Deuce is getting more minutes now. I don't <laughs> think because I think the Knicks would be quicker to trade Cam than IQ. Me too. Because I feel like because I feel like Cam has more value, and teams would probably value a guy who's like 6'8". According he to can, Fred Cast, he doesn't. He has less value than Derrick Rose. I don't know if he was here when I, when I talked about that. I actually posted a video about it before when it was talking about they was looking for trade candidates for Derrick Rose. And teams were wary that he was slowing down. He's 34. He hasn't been getting as much minutes on the Knicks bench. And it's noticeable and then they talked about Cam Reddish, and they were like, Cam Reddish is not even Tibbs' rotation, and he has even less value than Derrick Rose. Well, no. Well, I was speaking between Cam and IQ. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was speaking between Cam and IQ. I believe that teams would value a guy that's 6'8", can switch on multiple, you know, switch, you know, he can defend on multiple positions, and, I, and yeah, and, I, and, you know, he has more upside than IQ as well. So I think if teams are trying to choose between Cam and IQ, they probably would go up, they would probably would go for Cam first over IQ. So I believe, if anything, like, if, if they're really going to, you know, so, if, if they're looking between Cam and IQ, I think the Knicks would be quicker to trade Cam because they probably could get more for Cam it's, than IQ, just based on just based I'll, on potential and what he can do alone. But I, I'm telling you, no. I don't, I I'm telling you that's not what has been written. And I'm also telling you that he hasn't been... He hasn't. I well for one, Cam is due a payday, so that lowers your value. IQ has a couple more years until they actually have to have a payday, which is probably why the Knicks might even be entertaining to trade him now. That's one thing, and the second thing is as much. Everybody knows Cam's potential is higher than most of the people on the roster, but his consistency hasn't been there when he was with the Hawks and he was showing glimpses here, but IQ has shown more consistently on the defensive end as a rebounder than Cam has so far. So I still feel, I feel like IQ has a higher trade value than Cam right now before, for all those reasons combined. 
I mean, it might, might be the case, but I just feel like Cam offers a bit more as to what teams are looking for when it comes to wings, because wings is a premium position in the NBA and Cam is a wing and you can switch Cam into multiple positions and defend and he has the potential. So I would, th- so I would think that team, that teams value him more, but you know, like you said, you know, when it comes to money issues, you know, IQ is a cheaper option. So maybe, so maybe they're looking at IQ more, but I would think that Cam would be the more valuable asset just based on the fact that the position he plays, his capabilities and right. potential. Right, right. Well, I'm going. I'm going off of what I, I read so far, but I hear you. I hear you. I, I want. I thought Cam's value was would be rising to a bigger place right now, but apparently that's not where it is. And hopefully, I don't know. I feel like the hope is gone, and he's pretty much out the door. That's that's how I feel right now. All right, yo, salute to the like chat. It. The phone lines are still open. Like we kind of just went off on and, and just talked about everything but if you want to talk you already know what it is you can dial that number 319-527-6241 that's 319-527-6241 and shout out to everybody in the chat shout out to jersey shore it's, says grimes is getting ready to rise up yeah grimes is about to get out of here yeah. and, and get to business i can see that shout out to what was it angel girl angel girl cam Way more talented than IQ and everyone on the roster. Yeah, Cam has the highest potential. He just hasn't put it all together. He just hasn't put it all together. And he had two bad games and now he's relegated to the bench. It's kind of it's kind of sucks. Can quickly play three, keep Cam. Cam <laughs> <laughs> Hive is strong in here. Cam Hive is strong here. I feel like a lot of these teams are on the same level as us or at least have been on the same level of us in the last couple of years. I'm thinking like Indiana, Orlando, Toronto. They've had better luck in the draft by choosing better players than we have, or they've been in the draft that had more talent. Right. And they've also had one season where they were really, really bad that allowed them a really high percentage chance of getting to the top three or the top five. I, I wrote these down like Indiana uh, last season with 13th in the East. That allowed them to get Benedict Matherin. Toronto was 12th in the East two years ago. That allowed him to study Barnes. Magic were 15th in the East last year. They got Paolo Benchero. We haven't really, we've been in that middling, middle of the pack purgatory that I've been talking about for the last couple of pods. It's keeping us from really being able to get a franchise level talent that we don't have to trade half the farm for. We don't have to get rid of OB for an IQ for nine picks for. Like this is something we can get organically. They just don't take. Leon Rose committing to that, which is probably firing Tibbs and Trey and Randall in order to do that, which is why I'm constantly advocating for those two things to happen because it gives us the best chance at getting that high draft pick. RJ in 2019 was the one time after that Fisdale season that we had an opportunity to really draft someone great and just happen to line up to where those two franchise changing talents were at one and two, not at number three. You know, and that's where we got RJ. But I think we need another season, not going off and trying to trade for some, you know, Carl Anthony Towns or some player like Tobias Harris. We really needed to have a season where we tank and we can allow ourselves in position to get, you know, a Scoot Maneri or someone who can really take this Anthony Black to that next level as a number one option. I just don't, I don't see it happening, man. I don't either. And it's disappointing. It's not going to happen. And just because it doesn't happen doesn't mean we can't get out of purgatory. It's just, it's just, we're going to have to be, we're just going to have to make the right trade at this point because we still do have a lot of assets. 
Um, but we just have to be, we have to make the right move. That's, that's pretty much what it is right now. And but we've, we've always relied on trades though. Like for the last 20 years, it's, we've always gotten better or tried to get better through a trade. We've never really tried to do it yeah. through a draft. I wish you would try at least once. Yeah. We try, we, we usually, we, we usually go to free agency route. That's our thing. We usually go the ooh, it's free agency time. Let's clear the books. Uh, we'll sign Kevin Durant, sign Carmelo. Like that's this 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 trade thing is a little bit different. Um, but we're gonna see. We'll see. We'll see, Lee. I I, I listen. I'm not all the way depressed or anything because I still feel like there's a way to get out of this. Um, and funny enough, I probably have like an unpopular take now. Funny enough, and my unpopular take really is: I think Tom Thibodeau is is a huge is a huge thorn in the Knicks side. But I actually feel like if we actually had a coach that held like our team accountable more and and managed this youth better, we'd be a lot better. But I also think we would get more out of Julius Randle. I'm actually starting to believe that we can get more out of Julius Randle with another coach. Only because of the the stint I'm seeing defensively from him, where I'm just like, yo, where is this before? You know, where's the closeouts before? Because to me, that's the biggest thing that's been missing. That's been having the fans on him for so long. But I, I do you I, think there's I, any I think internal? Eventually, we we're still gonna have to get another coach at some point, and we're gonna have to get. We need. We're gonna need a wing, man. We need to me. I know we have the the cat rumors and stuff, but I feel like a dynamic wing Agreed. is what we really need to trade for. Ryan's mentioned this. Do you, do you think there's any internal conversations at the front office to go after Ime Doka? I, I think. I mean, if we fire Tibbs, that would be my number one option. Yeah, I mean that would be my no, number one option as well. I mean, I think as long as Tibbs continues going the way he's going at the moment, like the Knicks and their 500. So I think if the Knicks are a middling team, they continue at 500. I can't see them getting rid of Thibs. Agreed. Middle of the season, but I would hope that if they do plan on getting rid of Thibs, Emil Doko would be the first choice. That's what I would hope for. And just to like, and just to like, you know, contribute to the previous conversation as well. You know, I, the Knicks did try that route. It's just that the Knicks been unlucky because remember the year they drafted KP, they were they, like they were supposed to get a top three pick. Like they had the percentages to get that top three pick and they ended up out of the top three and ended up number four. And instead of getting like Carl Anthony Towns or somebody like that, they ended up getting Kristaps Porzingis instead. Where it mm-hmm. seemed like there was a lot of promise with him, but unfortunately, you know where that went. And then again, that that season with RJ as well, we we we. We just didn't luck out. We ended up with the number three pick. The two main guys, Zion and Ja, number one, number two. RJ was the next best option. So it's not like the Knicks didn't go that route. The Knicks did. It's just that we were we were just unlucky in the draft. Mm. Yeah, I don't know about that. That's like two drafts in the last seven years. I I think, but since our record has been so bad in the last decade, we should have had more attempts at at tanking than we've had we've had so many instances where the last 20 games of the season all of a sudden we start winning and it, it decreases our chances Edric Pitt, that happened like three or four times with Derek Fisher and Jeff Hornchak right? I'm like what the hell is going on here it just makes more sense for us to sit the starters and play the bench and it never happened if we, we had one or two more drafts I think we could have really gotten a franchise changing talent 
Were we tanking or were we just really bad because Fizdale was here? <laughs> Both. Yeah. <laughs> I really think I'm, I'm sitting here watching. I was like, I don't think Fizdale was trying to tank. I think he was giving it his all, and it was like, whoops. I'm dead ass. I'm was just that bad. Yeah. Fizdale was. They were also about losing the team. Fizdale lost the team. I still yeah, remember the big bad. old smile he had when he was getting blown out by the Bucks because he, he yeah. knew it was coming. Yo, <laughs> he knew he was I, going on a vacation. What was I reckon that season two, like the beginning of the season? Like, did we start like fourth 18 or something like that? Yeah, something like, crazy. Like, like, and something then Mike crazy. Miller came yeah. in here and had um, as many wins as Fizdale <laughs> did in like two <laughs> weeks. And then he had it like three months. <laughs> and I was like, Yo, this is really a horrible coach. Like for real, it was oh, crazy yes. how bad he was. Yeah. G League's coach had to come on here and now coach him. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, salute to the chat, man. I feel like we we kind of indirectly talked about the news if we haven't really heard already. Um, it's been rumored by Fred Katz that IQ and Cam, the Knicks are considering attaching IQ and Cam Reddish to Evan Fournier to move him in a trade. And we kind of just talked about that already. Uh, and of course, both of us are kind of against that. Um, I heard a crazy move for Chuck D. And I told you guys this in the chat, where they said, they're think talking about moving Evan Fournier, Emmanuel Quickly, and Cam Reddish. For none other than Mr. 72 million, the Hardaway himself, Tim Hardaway Jr. Bruh. <laughs> what? Yo, if that trade ever happens, I will trade in my Knicks fandom immediately. I Give am shutting down KOT for the year. Then. I'm going <laughs> to support or if that trade ever went through me. No way. No I'll way. buy you a Joe Harris jersey. <laughs> <laughs> it's on discount right now. <laughs> hell, hell to the no, hell no. Jail is when you when you text that the way it came up my phone. I just saw like as if it was oh, a you ticker. Thought I, you thought like, it happened, dude? I was like, <laughs> I was seizuring, bro. I was like, what the. F- <laughs> It's like, damn, I know. I was trying to call Raw, Raw. Bro, what do you mean, Leon the Don? <laughs> <laughs> yo, that's why I responded LMAO, because I was like, yo, that's that's just too wild to believe. I'm like, nah, man. Like, yo, where did you get that from? <laughs> shout out to my man, Chuck D. Cardiac arrest. For yeah, real. Cardiac. But, yo, shout out to Fred Katz who wrote that article. With all the damn thing about the article is what I mentioned before. Derek Rose trade value is dropping, and so is Cam Reddish. So, free Cam Reddish, but I think he's gone already. All right. All right. That is our show. Any bro picks for you, Ryan? I know we haven't had bro picks in a long time. I can bro picks. And I'll put you on the spot. Yeah, I know. I haven't haven't really seen any for a minute. Like, I know I, I watched Shaq in the Fold the other night, so I, but I don't want to take Shaq's stuff. Nah, wanna... nah. Bro, yeah, I got one. Bro, my bro goes to Trey Young from wearing those uh, King of Broadway sneakers in the L. As Ryan said, you are the popper of Broadway, sir. You don't deserve to yeah. wear those. Next That's time we come to New York, we taking those and giving them to to RJ. Exactly. Right. Run them, run them. 
Or you give it to Grimes. Grimes earned him for shutting you down. How about that? All right. Grimes. I think also, I think they also deserve a whose man's is this? Whose man's? Yeah, I never deserve a whose man's is this. You're right about that. Yeah, whose man's is this? Whose man's is that coming in here? You know what? If you're gonna play like that every time you come to the guard, you can wear it. Whatever. Were team worst minus 26 tonight for the peasant of Broadway <laughs> lollipop head Trey Young. Lollipop head Trey Young. You ain't, you ain't so tough without your friends. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like our defense on the perimeter was kind of a mirage tonight. Like the Hawks came into this game shooting 37.7% from three. Mm-hmm. They're fourth worst in percentage, second worst in mates. So it's not like, you know, Deuce McBride was unleashed and we locked out a team that was hot from three. You know, it wasn't like the Dallas Mavericks. This is a team that wasn't really good from three to begin with mm-hmm. and got worse when DeJounte Murray was, you know, went out to injury. So, you know, it's uh, we got a win, but at what cost? Tibbs lives to see another day. Tibbs lives to see another day. Hey, yeah, true. It is what it is. I still like how the way ground shut down trade. So I, we can all I, agree I, on that. I hang him, I head on that on day. And Agreed. Mitchell Robinson over Capella any day of the week. All right. Yep. Shout out to my man, Mitch Rob. Yep. All right. That's our show. Um, When's the next game? It should be Friday, I believe. Friday. Friday. Who are we playing? I'm about to look that up. Let me see. The Battle of the Mid. Will we make our way back to mid on Friday? Oh, the Hornets. Hornets. That that should be a dog. Okay. There we go. There we go. Our remedy for mid is the Hornets. We We should be right back at 500 on Friday. But I think we have the Kings on Sunday. Oh, good game. The Kings might be something. The Kings might yeah, be signed. Football. I might have to have like a pregame for the Kings. Yeah. Maybe I could find Let's get raw on Sunday. Yeah, maybe Let's I have a Leon Rose session on Sunday. Maybe a Saturday show going or something. Because the Kings is on Sunday, right? Maybe I get a Saturday go Saturday show for the Kings game or something like that. But all right. Salute to the chat. Uh... Give me a new if you're here and you're new. We shout you out. But shout out to Angel Girl Fritz, Nick Yak, Roberta Rivera Jr. Uh, the greatest mind in the game is Fix Fritz. Picks for Timmy. Everybody else is rocking with the KOT show. All right. All right. My man Lee, let them know where they can find you, sir. Uh, you hit me up on uh, Twitter at underscore Lee Estribido, L E E E S C O B E D O. I was actually writing a piece during the game on. Why it's so depressing watching these Knicks even during a win. <laughs> so that'll be going up tomorrow for posting and toasting. Had to do it to them. Oh, man. All right. Shout out to posting and toasting. <laughs> We're glutton for punishment, man. What can I say? Oh, yeah. You these love Knicks, it. Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My man, Ryan G, let him know where they can find you, sir. You can find me on Instagram at Sir G is chilling. Sir G is chilling. That's S I R. G is C-H-I-L-L-I-N. You can also find me at Sergi's Corner. You can also find me on Twitter at Ryan G K O T. All right. And you already know. Follow us on Twitter at the Nick of Time Show on Twitter. The, the KOT Show on Twitter. The Nick of Time Show on Instagram and Facebook. Also listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and everywhere you listen to podcasts, you can listen to the KOT show. Also get those 
blue and orange and black and white snapbacks. Um, so you can rock your head, wear it on your head and represent the KOT show. Uh, one of the best on YouTube. All right. That is our show. Also one more shout out to FUBU TV.com. So, all right. Shout out to those guys, but as our show, you guys already know what it is. I got to shout the guys out as the names all mismatched right now. Shout, shout out to World Wide West. Everywhere we go, we leave a worldwide mess. There's a mess out here in these Knicks, YouTube, and Twitter, and trade streets. That is our show. We are out of here. Peace. York, New York, big city of dreams. New York, New York, big city of dreams. NYC.